Let's go back to the time when schools were being integrated and dance was the saving grace. Today's episode is the second in a series of everyday people telling a story of their experiences in school growing up. Today's guest transitioned from a segregated school to an integrated school in high school and shares the challenges that that presented. Dance was a saving grace for her, and today she is professor of theater at the University of Delaware. Lynette is also going to open my eyes to some African-American history that I had never heard of before, and it really made me reflect on the educational experience people receive in our country. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our show and make sure to check out our website, thetimewin.net, for more information on each episode. Hello, everybody. Today, we're here with our guest, Lynette Overby. She is a professor at the University of Delaware, and she also started at a school uh, the first year it was integrated. So she's going to talk to us today a little bit about that. Hello, Lynette. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that you're doing this project. Thanks. In, in high school, as I said, you went to a newly integrated high school. But before you, before we talk about that high school experience, uh, what was it like going to a segregated school? So I went to segregated schools um, up until 10th grade, and I would say it was just like going to any other school. I mean, we, um, of course, we knew a lot of the teachers. Not only were they our teachers, but many of us were in the same church or our parents were in the same sorority or fraternity. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was um, like a a close-knit community. Mm -hmm. But school was school. We did our work and we had sports and activities just like any other school. And so how how do you think things change when you move to the integrated high school? Yeah, so uh, Dover Dover High School and uh, Dover, the schools were uh, they were not, uh, they did not deny uh, people from going uh, of different mm-hmm. races, but until they were forced, <laughs> uh, it really didn't happen. And so what happened was, so I, our elementary school is Booker T. Washington. They changed the name to West Dover Elementary School because mm-hmm. they didn't want uh, to offend all mm-hmm. of the children who would now go. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, the high school, it was a junior high high school, was William Henry um, Mm. Junior Senior High School. And um, they made that into a middle school. So that meant that everyone had to go to uh, Dover High School for the first time. Um, And so what was it like? It was very different. As I say, we were very much a a close community. Mm -hmm. People knew everyone. We knew people's families. once we moved uh, into this newly integrated situation, mm-hmm. um, there were issues with, you know, name calling. My cousin and I talk about um, one thing people would say, how do you like your coffee? Black, when they would mm. see us walking down the hall. Or wow. we were in front of the cafeteria. Sometimes we would listen to music. And I remember people throwing pennies um, at us or but I think most of all it was just all of a sudden uh, after being in a junior honor society and doing well 
um, mm -hmm. having good friends and feeling, um, you know, a part of a community, I felt like I was an outsider for the first time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But yeah. that it did move. It did change though. So that was, you know, the beginning, but I, you know, the, these are, are um, you know, really children, 15, 16, 17. And I, I think it began to change by that next year. Mm -hmm. um, things became better. They definitely loved our athletes who could <laughs> <laughs> help right. with winning uh, football and uh, basketball. And yeah, mm -hmm. so... Uh, it, things definitely began, but yeah, it was a little challenging in the beginning. <laughs> and did was in the community, was there like a sense of a uh, protest or did the community kind of accept that the school was being integrated? Well, because they kind of integrated the whole system, uh, they had to just accept that there were no, not in Dover, mm -hmm. in Milford, which is, uh, you know, lower Delaware or a little yes. further lower than Dover, mm -hmm. there were more protests um, in that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of the, the Milford, like 11. I've heard that story yeah. before yeah. about the protests. Mm -hmm. So I read that you were able to find a saving grace within the school. Uh, what was that saving grace? Yeah, so I'd taken ballet and jazz and tap in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, for several years before going to Dover High School in my um, 11th grade, the, there was a new uh, physical education teacher, Cheryl Oxford, and she started a dance program, modern dance, mm -hmm. um, as an after school program. And I began learning about enjoying uh, participating in it. And, and, you know, now I've been there a year. And, um, and I think because of that, and other other you know, other areas have begun to open up. Mm -hmm. um, I, I definitely found this was something I truly enjoyed and mm -hmm. I was pretty good at it. So <laughs> <laughs> that was important. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So when you went away to college in Virginia, um, what did you encounter when you tried to, to keep your, your dance alive? Yeah, so by the time I was a senior, I, I decided I really want to um, continue with dance. In fact, I had a very clear goal. I wanted to be able to teach dance at a historically black college. <laughs> um, and that, so that became my goal. Um, so when I got to Hampton, so I, I was, uh, I got accepted into um, several schools. Mm -hmm. In fact, University of Delaware. Um, I remember meeting with my counselor and he said, would you know, University of Delaware is a a better school than Hampton and mm. I remember thinking yes but I do not want to <laughs> not, don't want to do that now I mean mm. you know so it was it, it was not just the dance it was also my self-esteem that has suffered <laughs> quite a mm. bit um, at Dover High School so going to Hampton was a good thing for me so my first uh, when we first got there with my parents I wanted to continue with dance and continue with ballet because mm -hmm. that's what I'd done all through, um, all through for, since I was 12. Um, and uh, so that's when we looked through the yellow pages. So of course we don't do that these days, but yeah, <laughs> through the yellow pages and found the dance school. Mm -hmm. And we drove over to the school and um, my parents and I walked up to the door and it was in a woman's home. I knocked mm -hmm. on the door and we called ahead of time. So she knew we were coming. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Um, and she took one look at me and my parents and said, um, I'm sorry, I don't have any space. And my wow. father said, why? It's because we're color. And she closed the door. Wow. So um, that was not a good experience. In fact, you know, my mother to this day, she doesn't like even talking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, it did make me focus on the opportunities at Hampton, which mm-hmm. would have been very different. If I had, you know, not um, had kind of taken classes, then gone off to a studio, I really would not have experienced um, the wealth of culture and that was there at Hampton and learning mm-hmm. about cultural dances and um, black uh, history. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it, it was a, it was a good, good uh, experience, uh, a time for my self-esteem to be built up again. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think it was important for you to go to a HBCU because of your, your high school experience? I do. I think it was very important. For me to go there, yes. What do you think could have helped in in high school, like when it was integrated, to to make sure like the the students that were coming over to keep their self esteem up? What do you think could have could have helped with that? Well, I think um, you know, of course, today is very different. People mm-hmm. are more prepared uh, to to do that kind of thing. At, at that point, it was just you know, sink or swim. (laughs) (laughs) And Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that there, you know, of course there was racism uh, Mm -hmm. to think that possibly we're not as capable because we were coming from a segregated school. So um, I, I think that, you know, so there are a lot of things that could have happened to make our transition Mm -hmm. uh, better, you know, but it wasn't just us, you know, the, the, the administrators of the, of the uh, high school were demoted and became mm. assistant and associate uh, principals. Uh-huh. And uh, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, it was across the board mm-hmm. um, when it happened. Yes, we're going, we have to integrate, but we don't really want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think that was, it, so it was a different kind of feeling. It wasn't like, let's see how well we can do this. <laughs> that was not their feeling at the time. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about that, about the, uh, about the staff and did the staff from the segregated school come over? Cause I, I listened to a podcast mm-hmm. uh, maybe like a month ago and the, the person was kind of basically arguing that, integrating schools was one of the worst things that could have happened and that um, really they needed to integrate the teachers first so that when the students came over, they did feel that sense of community that you spoke of earlier. Mm-hmm. So did the staff come over or not, or not really? Some did, some stayed at the uh, middle school, at the high school now middle school. I think most end up really staying there hmm. because that's where they worked. Um, so only a couple, you know, not mm-hmm. very many. A, a guidance counselor came over um, and maybe a couple of the teachers, but most of them just stayed mm-hmm. um, at the school that now became the uh, middle school. So I'm sure those teachers probably have stories to tell <laughs> <laughs> about that transition for them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in the world of dance, 
what is it like for for people of, of color? Like, was that a um, mm -hmm. experience that you faced often? Hmm. Yeah. So one of the um, I guess deals I made with my parents <laughs> was that if I got an education degree, they would help me get my master's in dance. Um, and so I ended up going to George Washington University right after Hampton, mm -hmm. which was, a, of course, a traditionally white uh, institution. Mm -hmm. And yes, I would say that um, the dance world in there, you know, definitely doing a lot of talking about, but they're very much steeped in Western, we call it Western dance forms, like the ballet, mm -hmm. um, which came over from Europe mm -hmm. uh, and has been not as open to uh, African-Americans as, um, as it could be. And they recognize that. Of course, I was very interested in modern dance. Modern dance has been more open, but still it's, it's very much um, a part of the, the dance world and the technique. Um, but in, in addition, you do have these companies. I don't know if you're familiar with Alvin Ailey Dance mm -hmm. Company. So mm -hmm. um, he began uh, focusing on African-American issues in modern dance and oh, okay. um, and his company is world famous he passed away in the 80s but it's uh, continued on mm -hmm. um, and then there are several other companies that started like Philodenko Philodenko mm -hmm. um, then you have um, Dallas Black Dance and um, so there in the late 70s mm -hmm. uh, funding was provided to develop these African-American dance companies in various cities oh. that are still existing. And so you, there was kind of somewhat of a divide in that you had the, the African-American dancers, which were very much steeped in um, exploring history and culture of African diaspora, uh, whereas modern dance became very abstract. And they would, uh, the, the dance, just like abstract art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so there was this uh, divide. But it has really come together more so now. You don't have mm. that issue. But when I went to GW, coming mm. from Hampton, where we explored African-American themes and uh, music, um, mm. it was uh, very different. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about dance and composition and choreography and a lot of notation that I was able to apply. But the mindset was very much on more abstract, not storytelling, no mm -hmm. music, um, moving into a more abstract uh, form. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm -hmm. so, so was it like a, a culture shock coming from HBCU or not really? Yes, I felt like I was going back to Dover High School again. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was somewhat of a culture shock, um, but I'm glad I stuck with it. And, yeah. yeah, learned a lot. <laughs> I know you've done a lot of research on the effects of movement and uh, children's development. Um, can you tell us about that, that research? Um, so I, um, after I got my master's, I, I actually began working in an elementary school in Washington, D.C. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that because that kind of moved me to my doctorate. Mm. Um, but I um, began working in an elementary school, finishing up my master's in dance, and I, I decided to look at uh, the impact of movement on learning in mm -hmm. young children. Mm -hmm. And so I had two groups. I had two groups of beginning readers and one group I taught 
uh, the traditional way um, in a classroom. And the other group I taught uh, through movement. So they were uh, tested, pre-tested on the um, vocabulary words and their uh, understanding of, of stories. Mm -hmm. um, and then I worked with one group on movement, the other group was traditional. Then I post-tested both groups and I always say, so which group do you think did better <laughs> at the end? So my movement group was, uh, had learned much more. Their comprehension of the stories and the vocabularies was um, significantly higher uh, wow. than the group that I taught traditional way. So, you know, it's one of the things you, you have a feeling that, mm -hmm. you know, if, if we got these children up and moving, would, mm -hmm. they, would they have a deeper understanding? And, um, and there hadn't been a lot of research in the area at that time. Mm -hmm. So after that, I actually moved to uh, Coppin. That was the first university. So I reached my goal <laughs> mm -hmm. at 27. I, I was teaching uh, at Coppin, which is a historically black college in Baltimore. <clears throat> I was the dance uh, director. And, and that's when I, I recognized the fact that I needed a PhD. Mm. I mean, to, to be in higher education and not have a PhD, you, it's just not good. <laughs> you need to have a PhD. So that's when I began. Um, I've been working on, a, on my PhD in, in motor development and learned a lot about research and um, that I've been able to apply as I work with students and other types of work. Um, throughout my career. So is it is it better to do movement, like to kind of like chunk it, like if you kind of teach something to the kids and then have them get up and move and then like come back? Like, is it that, like the breakup? Mm. So you're, you're talking about practice. You know, what's the best type of practice? Mm -hmm. um, and chunking is a good way. Um, for my doctorate, I actually focused on imagery. Mm. and how focusing on uh, imagery uh, allows you to practice mentally and mm. that has an impact on your ability to remember mm. remember movement as well so mm. yeah there are lots of different ways of uh, different tools to use to enable you to learn motor skills um, but my focus was on on imagery oh okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also um, researched and, and heard about the Share Our Legacy Dance Theory Theater. Mm -hmm. What was that? Yeah, so I have a company and we focus on uh, African, African-American history mm. um, through multidisciplinary process, uh, create a production. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so we have... Uh, um, Created productions on the life of Harriet E. Wilson. Do you have you heard of her? No. So Harriet E. Wilson was um, one of the first African American novelists. Hmm. <clears throat> she wrote the book Our Nig, based on her life as an indentured servant in the 1800s in uh, <clears throat> excuse me in New Hampshire. Wow. And so I created a work and I collaborated with a poet, um, historian, uh, composer. And uh, it's now on YouTube and a lot of English professors actually use it because it's, it's a book that um, English professors uh, is part of English uh, education in uh, universities. And so it's kind of a supplement. Hmm. So it's the life and times of Harry Ewell. So that was the, kind of the first one that I, I did, which is under this umbrella. And then I'm uh, working with um, 
Gabrielle Foreman, who created this uh, color conventions. Do you know about the color conventions? The color no. conventions. So before <clears throat> there was an NAACP, mm-hmm. African Americans got together and different parts of the country and they talked about education and economic issues and all kinds of, of things. Um, and of course, slavery. Mm-hmm. And um, so she actually was uh, a professor at the university and began um, pulling together, digitizing records from these minutes from all of these conventions that took place all over the United States. Mm-hmm. So in talking with her, working with her on several projects, and actually Harity Wilson was the, the first one I worked with her on. Uh, sub, uh, subsequent projects were uh, Dave the Potter, Mm. And Dave Drake was an enslaved uh, potter, and he wrote poetry on his pots. Mm. This is now the 1800s. Now those pots are all over the world. Um, But we uh, created a um, a 45-minute work based on his life using the paintings of Jonathan Green, who's a painter who did a series of paintings on his life. And as I say, and I work with a poet, Glennis Redman, Mm -hmm. who created poetry. So... So that was the next one. And then, so all this under sharing our legacy, the next one was called the women of consequence. Mm-hmm. And these were women who were part of the color conventions, but were not necessarily um, the big speakers like Frederick Douglass and, uh, and a lot of the men. And so we focused on women mm. who were part of that in the first act. And the second act was bringing it into women of today. Wow. Um, and our most recent project is about Marianne Shad Carey, who was a Delawarean born in 1823. Mm-hmm. And we tell her life through wow. poetry and music and dance. <laughs> wow, that's great. So, so where can people see these? I know, I know you mentioned YouTube. Yeah, so uh, we have a website, sharingourlegacy.org. Okay. And they are um, included. We also include lessons. Um, we create lessons that can be delivered because you know, we're always interested in an educational component. Right. Because we think Delaware especially Delaware children should know about Marianne Shed Carey and her life. And, yes. And all of these, uh, we say these are, are, are people who um, are not included in our history books, mm-hmm. but who've made important contributions. And so through the arts, we help to make that accessible um, to people. Right. Yeah. I'll definitely put a, a link on my website to, uh, to your website as well. So people could go and learn more about it. Thank you. And so, so what do you do now at the University of Delaware? What's your role there? Yeah, so I'm a professor in the Department of Theater. I help to start the dance. We have a dance program. Mm. I'm also deputy, deputy director of our community engagement initiative and um, work on, um, with faculty, students, and staff on connecting their work with community issues and mm. um, ways of uh, helping them to do that. Oh, wow. All right. Well, thank you for for coming on the show. Very interesting to hear about uh, your experiences. Well, thank you for inviting me. (laughs) And um, I hope that everybody goes and follows uh, the Sharing Our Legacy uh, to learn more about some of the stories that you told. Yes, I hope so. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for coming on, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. I really learned a lot from this interview. 
and it led me to research some of the black dance companies that Lynette mentioned, such as Philodenko and the Dallas Black Dance Company. I really liked the idea of teaching African-American history through the arts, as her company, Sharing Our Legacy, is doing. Please visit their website, sharingourlegacy.org, to learn more about them. I had never heard of Harriet E. Wilson, the Color Convention, or David DePotter, and I'm a history teacher. It really makes me question and reflect on the educational system in America and how it could be improved. That's all for this episode, and remember, everyone has a story.